This is 51st Dates, and I'm your host, Jolie Moore. They say that hindsight is 2020. I decided to find out if that's true. Every week, I'm going to read a chapter from my memoir, 51st Dates, and give you the backstory and commentary on what really went down. It's been two whole years since I went on these dates, and I'll be experiencing them along with you as I read. We'll find out together if my future self learned anything. I don't know if I have anything figured out, but at least we'll share some laughs along the way. Dating in Southern California is nothing if not entertaining. Ready? Strap in. Let's go. Hey, this is Jolie Moore, and welcome to episode 29 of 51st Dates. Um, I had one of those epiphanies. So... As always, I'm reading. Um, I'm currently reading two books. One is The Teenage Brain by uh, Francis Jensen. And the other is The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog and Other Stories from a Child Psychiatrist's Notebook. What Traumatized Children Can Teach Us About Loss, Love, and Healing. Gotta love long titles for nonfiction. So I've been reading both simultaneously. I'm listening to the, the Teenage Brain in the Car um, as an audiobook because I'm back to driving around as LA has opened up. And the uh, Perry book I am reading um, basically uh, at night or whenever, um, when I'm at home. And it's interesting because I'm reading both books simultaneously and they're both talking about brain development um, and things basically, they're both like things can happen to the brain that fuck people up. But what's interesting is that, you know, I'm listening to one and they're talking about a study and then I'll come in the house and start reading the other um, and he'll be citing the same study. So what's interesting about both of them is they're suggesting that there are some things that the brain can't recover from. Um, One is trauma, like not all trauma, but some severe, if trauma is severe enough, the brain can't recover. And in the teenage brain, she talks a lot about the, let's call it bad decisions that children make. Um, And well, A, bad decisions because they're not, the brains are not fully developed um, until their mid twenties, but also the effects that drugs or alcohol or um, various things or can, how they can affect the brain. Um, But what's interesting is that it's, it's a little sad. Um, I think that my therapist has been pushing me to um, admit that there has been some drama in my life, both in my childhood and my marriage. I prefer never to talk about it ever. Thank you very much. Um, but I am listening to her and trying to be more willing to talk about it. What is hard is reading these books and realizing that some things like your brain gets hardwired um, if you have like certain experiences over and over again, the brain associates or dissociates, as it were, um, different experiences. So if you get lots of hugs, cuddles, you know, all these like loving things, your parents mirror you and your emotions, um, they're responsive to your needs, then you associate other humans with being responsive and caring. And if you don't get that, then you don't make that association. So that's like really freaking sad. I mean, I don't even like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have laughed in the, I'm actually not laughing. It's very, very sad. It makes me want to cry actually. But it is so sad to think that the lack of, um, well, 
good nurturing, good enough nurturing can cause like lifelong effects. I mean, I'm like now walking around realizing, oh my God, these people are just traumatized in one way or another. And it's not always so traumatic that, you know, they're like on the sociopathic end of things where, you know, they like never make those connections. Um, But it's really sad. And I was starting to think, um, because my kid is like, he could like sit in my lap. I mean, he doesn't sit anymore because he barely fits because he's like 100 pounds. But he sits next to me all the time. He wants a hug every day, every morning. Can I have a hug? You know, every night, can I have a hug? You know, he often um, wanders around and goes, well, I'm powered by mommy hugs and mommy love. Um, It's sort of tongue in cheek, but really not. And um, like the other morning I got up and I usually wake him up and then I hug him before I go cook his breakfast, to be frank. And I had to pee really bad. So I woke him up and then I ran out of the room and he's like all like out of sorts. And I'm like, what is wrong? I'm like, I'm putting your oatmeal in or the whatever. And he's like, well, you didn't hug me. I was like, I had to go to the bathroom. He was like, but you didn't come back and hug me. And I really need that in the morning. And it's fascinating to watch him express his needs and know what he needs. But then I started thinking about it and I was thinking really hard, trying to remember like how often I got hugged as a child. And I swear to God, it wasn't more than once a month. I don't know if I asked because I don't know if I was that kind of kid. I don't remember asking, but I spent a lot of time with um, four basic adults. Um, Well, more, but basically my mother, my father and my grandmother's. Um, one grandfather was there, but he worked a lot and hung out in New York City doing who knows what. And my other grandfather died somewhere. He was really old. They were older. My, my other grandparents are really old. And I don't know. He All I know is that he came back from World War II and he wasn't quite, you know, right. Again, trauma. And he didn't live very long after that. But I, like, I was thinking... Like, so my kid needs a hug, like, you know, when he gets up, after he eats, you know, after he's sat around for three minutes and thought, I haven't had a hug before he goes to bed. You know, he likes to be cuddled. He wants to cuddle and watch TV um, at night. This is one hour of TV. And um, I was really thinking, I was like, I don't think, I can't remember my father were hugging me. My, my mother hugged me like five times in my life that I can remember because she always made like a huge deal about it. Um, my maternal grandmother started hugging me after I went away to college. She had sort of a shift where she became like much more emotional. But previous to that, she was kind of a, I would say hard. She was just matter of fact. Um, and my father's mother, I don't know. I remember hugging me maybe when I was 10 or 11, like once or twice. Um, and then she died because she was born a really long time ago. Um, but that's it. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I think I get it. I mean, you know, I can sit around and talk about what's wrong with these guys, but you know, the bigger question is really what's wrong with me or sorry, not what's wrong with me. What happened to me? And I'm sort of been excavating that for the last week because it's nothing but fun times over here. Um, but one of the things I was really thinking about, so in this book up until now, um, June, um, I have talked a lot about Thunderbolt, who obviously, or not so obviously, doesn't go away and um, is featured like a lot more later um, in the book. But one of the things that bothered me, which I guess I never mentioned in the book, I see that now, is that so for the weekends that he wasn't there, basically what would happen is he would 
text basically and be like, hey, we should get together for the weekend. I would be like, sure. Um, I only have my kid or don't have my kid like Friday, Saturday or whatever it is, Saturday, Sunday shifts. And so, you know, it's got to be one of these days. Do you want to pick a day now? At which point he would say, let's play it by ear. God, that drives me crazy just to think about it. Um, So sometimes, depending on how I felt, I would text him one of those days um, or I don't know, beginning of the weekend. I can't remember all the details. And I'd be like, hey, you said you wanted to get together this weekend, that you were free. Do you want to get together? At which point he would, I don't know, he never, I don't want to say he didn't answer. Um, But he would usually say no, or I'm busy, or I'm going to go work, or I'm going to go to the South Bay and watch movies. I never figured that one out. There's some theater down there that does something. But um, it would be, it always felt like a letdown. And it's the same pattern with uh, Classic Car Guy. So, of course, like I'm riding my bike this morning. Um, It was really foggy. You know, they call it June gloom here. But anyway, I was riding my bike this morning. And I was like, what is that feeling that it triggers in me that drives me crazy? Because I don't think their behavior would drive everybody crazy to the same degree. So I've been thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. And I'm not one of those people who would look up and say, I don't remember my childhood because I've met people like that. And you go, well, that trauma must be bad if you have blocked out like the first 10, 12, 15 years of your life. But so I have a pretty good memory, but I don't think about all of it all of the time. I mean, you know, I have to like write books and raise a kid and, you know, do other stuff in life. Um, And it doesn't like allow a lot of space for thought about the past to a great degree. But one of the things I was thinking about, so my parents got divorced. Well, I don't know, they separated when I was like two or three. It's vague. And uh, well, my mom moved in with somebody else when I was three. So it must have been around two. And they got divorced like when I was seven. That lasted forever. But they were not living together. So my mother... You know, long story short, they we moved a bit, but long story short is that my mother moved back in with her mother, and my father moved back in with his his mother, which is why I spent so much time with my grandmother's more or less. Um, but they both had like multifamily houses, so they we lived sort of separately, you know, but real close. And so when and this is so long ago, my dad had like that every other weekend visitation, and so my mom would drop me off at. We go from my one grandmother's house to the other grandmother's house. And um, in Brooklyn, which is, you know, I don't know. It feels like really far away, but I bet you it's like less than a mile or two. Um, but different neighborhoods in New York is all about the neighborhoods. So I go from one to the other and she would drop me off at my uh, paternal grandmother's house. And so for the first few years after they separated, my dad lived there. I remember that um, pretty well. And then at some point he moved out. He moved to Mount Vernon, actually, which is in, well, it's just what we would call upstate, but I don't know, maybe it's like 30 minutes from New York. I don't know, I'm not that good. I know it's a stop on the Amtrak. That's all I know. And um, he moved. So what would happen is my mother would drop me off, let's say Friday, I think after school or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what happened in the summer. I don't even remember all the details. But she dropped me off Friday. Um, night and um, pick me up Sunday night. So what would happen is um, when my dad was there, we would go places um, and do stuff, you know, OTB, the circus. It was random stuff. 
Um, nobody ever asked me what I want. So I just always, you know, got dressed and went along. But when he moved out, he would not always show up. So my mom would drop me off and my grandmother would be like, your dad's coming and you have to get dressed. And she was really into like being dressed up to go out. So I usually had to wear a skirt or some kind of pants or something that was not necessarily comfortable. And then I would sit and wait. And I would wait all day, sometimes for two days, and he would either show up or he wouldn't. He would show up like for like 10 minutes, an hour, a full day. But it was always like totally hit or miss. I never knew when he was going to show up. Sometimes he would not show up and call, and call instead. Um, and I would sit in the kitchen um, with the cord, God, I'm so old, um, and talk to him. And then my mom would pick me up and then she would always ask me if he showed up and I would often lie because I, they would fight and I could not deal with that. There was too much like confrontation and screaming. They did not get along. Um, and so it was that waiting and I hated it. I hated it. I hated it um, because I just never knew. And it was always like, oh, well, it's like eight o'clock. So usually at night, obviously. And so your dad's not going to show up. So why don't you take off your clothes and put on your pajamas and brush your teeth or take a bath or whatever it was and get ready for bed. So obviously my grandmother was like 100 <laughs> percent um, showed up. They both did. They were always, always, always there. Um, not huggy, but they were always there. And I realized like that's the thing that like is like a knife in the heart. So I don't think that, I don't know. I have a lot of theories. I was thinking today about classic car guys. Like, was he like a drug dealer? Like, what was it that he was doing that never seemed to be like full-time work that was like so consuming? But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Maybe that's why he had a second phone. Oh my God, this is like a total new theory. Um, but for Thunderbolt, um, I'm, I'm like 99% sure he's not a drug dealer. But um it was like, it's just that feeling that, hey, I'm going to come by or like, let's get together. And then they just flake out um, and then come back later with like no apologies. And it's like, let's get together a different time. They're never, they never acknowledged the times that they didn't show up. Um, and I think it's the thing that drives me crazy. So in conclusion, um, I think that I've only ever been with two kinds of people, either like people who are like my mother, who are like all smothering and like would not would like to control me and would like me to never, ever, 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 ever go anywhere or leave the house or go anywhere without them. So fun. Or in the alternative, um, the people who are like my dad, who are just like, hey, I'm going to see you. I love you. And then don't show up. And today, that was today's realization. I thought, okay, so I'm going to ping pong between these two patterns, but I got to find a third one. There's got to be like a third way, even if it's a third rail at this point, there's got to be a third way of like some kind of person who's not like crazy, obsessive, controlling, abusive, and not on the other end who is just like, could take it or leave it or take me or leave me. Um, so that's where I am. Now I know that I need to stay away from those two kinds of people. So then the question is, I don't know. The question is, is there like the third person? I mean, God knows I actually always show up. And so I just want somebody who always shows up. It's not even, it's not even that complicated. I mean, I have all these other things that I would like, but 
showing up consistently without obsessively trying to control my every move would be a delight. Chapter 28, Summertime, June 14. A couple of plane rides later, and I was in my summer house. Every year for the last seven, I've looked forward to summer more than anyone who hates the heat has a right to. But when I was on one of my twice-a-year crisis calls with my therapist, right after announcing I was leaving my marriage, I had a harsh realization. At least you have your summer house to look forward to, she'd said. You'll be leaving in a few days. That's always been a delight in your life. It's not the same when I don't have anything to run away from, I'd said. The delight, I think, in going away for an entire summer was that I was escaping the abusive husband. Two and a half months of not being berated, yelled at, screamed at, pretend punched or pushed. Who wouldn't want to escape all that for the peace and quiet of somewhere else, anywhere else? I was reading a journal entry from a year ago, June. I could not wait to get on a plane, I'd said, away from the man who treats me as a receptacle for his anger and semen. He's still angry. I bear the brunt of that more times a day than I can count with endless messages and manipulation of my child. But it's for the most part at a distance of 10 miles, which in LA might as well be 90. So I'm left with just me facing an uncertain future and a summer outside of Southern California. A few weeks ago, Thunderbolt asked me if I was planning to take a lover for the summer. I shrugged because I thought about it in passing, but not too deeply. Not when I'd been embroiled in trying to make my relationship with Classic Car Guy into something it was not. What are the men like there, he'd asked of my summer home outside the U.S. Kind of macho, I said. West Hollywood and Los Angeles, for that matter, were full of men bent on being feminist and sympathetic and kind. Not saying they achieved it if all the Me Too revelations were any indication, but they seemed to start out with those intentions outwardly. Outside of Southern California and probably the West Coast, things were different. I'd poked around on Tinder a few months back when I was there in the spring, and I was startled by what I'd seen. Men who all listed their education, who looked like they'd decided to give up on their appearance post-40. I mean, I get it. LA's Tinder is full of carefully airbrushed headshots. So outside of Southern California, I knew things would be different. They were startling, nonetheless. I was thinking of changing my profile to say, looking for a summer fling or something similar. I logged onto Tinder the first or second night after I'd landed. It was overwhelming. It felt like I had my freshman year of college when the upper class guys referred to us as fresh meat and swarmed us like sharks on chum. It seemed like everyone I swiped right on was a match. I even considered the offer of a cute guy, but chickened out at the last minute when he went from sexy to creep me. The memory of the nearly gymnastic sex with Thunderbolt was fresh in my mind, and it was enough in the face of lots of new faces. I swiped occasionally, but held a few conversations, but my heart wasn't in it. Three weeks later, it was a different story. Oh my god, that was world's shortest chapter. I am... Um... I guess the point, let's call it a transitional chapter, um, where I leave here and go there. Um, actually, fingers crossed I will be there soon. Actually, I'm not entirely sure. You know, vaccines and rules and rules and vaccines. Um, so we'll see. And uh, divorce. There's so many obstacles. 
um, in the way. But like I have a whole lot of fingers crossed that I will be gone very soon and then I'll be recording this from somewhere entirely different, um, which the building's more soundproof, but the windows are always open. So I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. In the summer, closing the windows to record. That's a whole thing. I'll have to think about that. Um, but it uh, <laughs> was World's Shortest Chapter. It was actually weird. So, you know, I don't know. Like, I have never um, swiped on a dating app anywhere else in the U.S. other than Southern California. And I'm going to be the first to say that no doubt this is not a representative sample of of what's out there. But one of the things that was so weird, so I get to my summer house and, you know, I open the app and, you know, it takes a while to update with a local population. And it was full of men who, like, I shit you not, look like they drink beer. It reminded me of, like, men in Boston when I was a kid, uh, Boston, at least back then, had a lot of heavy drinkers. And when you were like visiting Boston for the summer, um, like to go to Pop Goes the Fourth or something, um, you would see like tons of men with like beer bellies and whatever that thing is where you get all the broken blood vessels on your nose. Um, and I don't know what I thought about it then. I thought, geez, that doesn't go well. Um, but it's weird to be like that age now where those men are the same age. So obviously not the same men. Those men are long dead maybe, but, or at least, you know, in nursing home age. But now to look at men who are my age with the whole like beer belly, like I'm not going to do anything with my hair. Um, I took this picture and it looks like I rolled out of bed or I haven't slept in 10 days. And, um, and they mainly list, and this may be an outside of Southern California thing as well. They mainly list their height, um, their height, not their weight, their height and their education. So they either list like, well, it's like outside of the U S so it's sort of different, but basically they list, um, some high school, if they went to like some high school of note, um, or they list, uh, whatever college they went to and what they majored in. So it'll be like, you know, BA in like mathematics at like XYZ college. And I'm like, well, they're never, they don't use inches, but you know, I'm 185 centimeters and you're like, okay. And what else? Um, and literally there was like nothing else. It was the bizarrest thing I think I've ever seen. And I was like, how do you like pick among these people when none of them were even trying? I mean, there's all these like sort of like stories that sort of float by that suggest that men of a certain age, if they're single, probably if they're married too, but we're not going to go down that road, like don't have any sex life and they're just sort of like lonely. And I'm like, I can see why. I mean, not that they should be lonely and not that you have to like try, but if that's their best effort, I don't even know what to say. Um, the thing actually I realized, I think last week I was reading about dating or something and it was some guy, maybe I was listening to a podcast or watching a video, they all run together. And he was talking about men putting forth their best effort and how if you think you like them, well, we can get into this, you should go on date two or three um, to see who they really are. And can I even tell you, the thought never occurred to me that like dating was about putting your best foot forward. I thought you were just there to like be yourself. Like, 
I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to impress anybody. <laughs> like, I mean, how much, like, how much effort can I put in? I'm like, I'm going to take a good picture and I'm going to write a cute profile and, um, and then I'm going to be me, um, a little bit of subdued me and maybe cool chick me, but honestly, just me. But I didn't realize they were like trying to impress you. Um, I don't think that I went on any dates for like, well, not, not, not let me not say that. I went on very few dates for people trying to impress me because if like showing up in sweatpants and a band t-shirt is trying to impress where do you fucking go from there? Like, I can't even, like, I can't even imagine, like, where you go from there. But um, that said, I did, like, maybe later, I don't know if it's later in this book, um, Classic Car Guy got dressed up, and then, oh my god, I don't remember what dates come after this, but people, like, I honestly don't know if they did, like, make any effort. It was, like, the weirdest thing. So there was a guy later, who I guess I'll have to talk about later, because he's not in the book. Um, he was date maybe 52, um, who like did make an effort. And it was only later that I realized like he was, uh, lying. And like, I was just like, oh my God, like your lying self is not, oh my God. I just, I'm sorry. I just, the thought never occurred to me to like, try to like, you know, impress people. But I was actually reading some woman's blog and she was talking about, oh, well, I'm going to put on, like, my makeup and blow out my hair and, like, put on a dress. And I thought, oh, well, I'm not trying that hard. Like, you know, I will, well, I would, I get dressed like I'm going, I get dressed the same way I would get dressed during the day, except that I might have a different kind of jacket because <laughs> it's colder at night. So I have, like, a suede jacket that I wear at night or, like, a faux fur jacket. I have a couple faux fur jackets, suede jacket, leather jacket, and that I would wear like at night. Um, and during the day, I'd probably wear something lighter because it's sunny. But that said, I don't wear makeup, so that's never going to change. And I don't think I'm going to wear a dress like on a date, whereas I otherwise wouldn't wear a dress in real life. Like, that's a lot to like. So, what then you do that, and then eventually they see you with like, you know, your like, I don't know, like messy bun. Um, Look, I'm not going to wear a messy bun. I might actually. Don't, don't, don't even tempt me. Um, <laughs> on a date, I may just wear my hair down and I change the part depending on like how I feel that day. Um, so it's sometimes parted in the middle, parted on the right side, parted on the left side. That is like literally it. Like there's really no more to it. I used to be into like barrettes and clips, but lately not so much. Um, for like in 2010, I was all into that. And like come like 2019, 2020, not so much. I just wear it out. Um, and that's, that's it. And if you come to my house, I do put my hair in a rubber band so it doesn't catch on fire when I cook, because that seems like it could be a disaster. But other than that, like, there's really no difference between, like, daytime me, nighttime me, you know, go out to have lunch with a friend me, and go out on a date me. They're all the same. So I'm really going to have to think a little bit more deeply about this whole men putting their best foot forward because if their best foot forward is like a band t-shirt then that 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 scares me actually it doesn't really freaking scares me <laughs> okay well i'm gonna go because i'm just being silly now um i go from sad to silly so much fun isn't it you all stay safe out there I'm Jolie Moore, and this has been 51st Dates, the podcast. If you enjoyed listening, I hope you'll share, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts. 
It will help others find the craziness that is dating in Southern California. Also, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you'd like to read ahead, my memoir, 50 First Dates, is available wherever books are sold. A link is always included in the show notes. I'm also a romance writer. If you want to know more about my books, please visit joliemore.com for more information. You can also follow me on Instagram at xojoliemore and on all social media at the same handle, xojoliemore. Thanks for listening, and I'll be in your ears next week.